This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of Press One for Nick. Your host, Nick Limsdahl, is the Director of Contact Center Solutions at VDS. Through conversations with customer service and customer experience leaders, Nick and his guests exchange insightful stories, best practices, and invaluable lessons they have learned along the way. Welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast. My name is Nick Limsdahl. My guest this week is Mark Havercroft, the man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> so Mark is the Global Chief Customer Officer at SAP Cloud Business Group and SAP Success Factors. In a competitive market, does your customer service stand out from the crowd? One way to offer a better experience is by moving your contact center to the cloud. But with so many options to choose from, how do you know which solution is the best for both your business and your customers? That's where VDS comes in and guides you to the best solution. They understand your clients' pain points, business outcomes, and goals. Then VDS designs, implements, supports, and provides 24-7 managed services. From start to finish, VDS is committed to finding the best solutions for your clients' needs. To learn more, go to www.govds.com or find a link in the show notes. Welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast, Mark. I'm honored to be here, Nick. You know, this is this podcast is number one, right? So um, I'm deeply honored. Thank you. As long as it's number one in your heart, we're all winning. <laughs> it certainly is. It certainly is, my friend. So every guest, I ask one question at the very beginning, and it's, what's one thing that people might not know about you? Right. Well, there's a number of things, but I'm going to keep it, you know, above the line. But one of the things is, I'm, so I'm based in Australia, but I was born in a country called Rhodesia, which doesn't exist anymore, which is Africa. And I went to school in the UK, right? So I am your classic, from your history lessons, the old colonial, one of the last of the old colonials of when the world was kind of global, you know, a while ago. So I feel I'm coming full circle in my global role as well. So that's, there's the one above the line fact that people won't know. I love that. Last but not least is, yes, is, is exactly. what they say, right? You got it. You got it. Uh, that's pretty neat. I, I appreciate that. So for the people who don't know, what is SAP Success Factors? And tell me more about your role at a high level. Okay. SAP Success Factors is the people part of Success Factors suite of applications. Most people will be aware of SAP if they've been around technology for the last 50 years. So ultimately, on-premise ERP systems, SAP you know, invented ERP 50 years ago. Success Factors is part of the plan of as we, you know, again, innovate and transform. Really, it's the people part of putting the ERP in the cloud. So we bought companies like Ariba for procurement, Concur for expense management, and so on and so forth. So I do the people part, which is my favorite bit. So I'm in the right, right, right place. Second part, so my job, Chief Customer Officer um, globally, mm -hmm. is look, for those of you who are around cloud, you know that it's a subscription business and we need to be constantly working with our customers, not just buying new ones, but helping them to get the best out of the platform and hopefully, you know, growing their usage of other SAP applications. So my job is to bring to the company and bring to our customers that uh, constantly on and uh, making sure that we're proactive with them and understanding what they're trying to do as a business 
and making sure our platform delivers that platform for them to execute their strategies on. That, that in a nutshell, is my role. And, and it's, you know, it's a joy. I'm loving it. Yeah, you, you can feel that from the conversations that we've had in the past and the conversation yeah. just now is you're, you're amped up about what you do and, and the product and the service that you provide. So it's really cool. One, one of the questions that we started talking about prior to this recording is individualization versus personalization. And I started geeking out and I was like, hey, let's, let's, let's time out. Let's put the pause yeah. button on because we got to get this thing out of record. So tell me more about the difference between those two. All right. So I think, you know, personalization to an extent is we, we've all experienced that in our technology, right? We can kind of, you know, m- make what we want on our home screen be. We can do our desktop background. You know, we kind of personalize our environment, but it's, it's kind of within a structure for everybody, mm-hmm. right? You, you know, you've probably got your screensaver, I've got mine, you know, all that kind of thing. Individualization is something that we've really worked on with HXM, with, you know, um, adding in Qualtrics and really looking at the people aspect, not from a HR system that really regards people as a necessary cost in a business, right? Individualization is where you really start to kind of grasp what we've grasped. And I think now what uh, certainly our competitors and in industry is grasping is, you know what? Funny with technology, business today, the real difference is the people that you have, right? It, you know, you know what it's like, you know, one good developer is worth 10 not so good developers, all that kind of analogies that people have heard. So individualization is where you as a business actually, and it's really cool, right? Are able to look at okay, our people are our business, they're not unnecessary evil, you know, they're in our asset class now. They are the difference. And we all know good customer experience starts with a good employee experience, right? So rather than having this kind of, you know, computer says no HR system, you know, just driven for uh, risk and protection from the company, from its employees, individualization allows us to look at my job and set my system up to help me do my job best and for it to limit any friction of me being a human to you, right? So we're really able to individualize it and go, okay, forget the process that we had before. Let's look at Mark's day and the systems he touches to give that great employee experience, which in turn will make sure his customers are delighted and our business will hit all the the, the marks it needs to from a point of view of stakeholders and everything. So individualize it as that next step to where you really throw the rule book out on current processes and make the best way I can put it is make the system fit around me, not me fit around the system. And therefore, the benefits of that, as you can kind of you know imagine, are very you know extraordinary for me, but for the business as well. Yeah, employee experience equals customer experience. Absolutely right. You know, you, you know what you know yourself, right? I mean, if if somebody, anybody who directly interacts with your customers in whatever format, if they are not engaged and in your business and understand why they're doing their job, what they're doing and feel valued. Well, it doesn't surprise you really that when they answer that customer phone call, that maybe they're just not, you know, amped up like me. Maybe they're just kind of, you know, a little bit resentful of the fact that they're treated as just this necessary cost. Then they're not, you know, it's not, they're not regarded and they're not praised and rewarded for giving a good customer experience, right? Which, you know, it's obvious when we talk about it, but to be honest, history will tell you it's very rare you know, that that's happened. And so how do you get people to be amped up like Mark? How do you get them to be <laughs> fired up and excited to be at work and yeah. to be, is it, is it to, for them to understand their why? Is it for them to understand the purpose of the organization? Is it for them to understand and maybe relate 
to the yeah. consumer themselves? What what else is it? Or maybe it's all the above. It's all the above, but I tell you where it starts for me. It starts in leadership. Too too often, I always do the triangle of, of organizations because you have leaders at the top and we're all meant to, you know, in our grades, follow below, right? I always say to customers, and, and, and I do this, is leadership now is not about leading from the top, from a, a dictatorial way of do. It is about enabling and working for your people and, and turning that triangle upside down if you want a visual, right? I work for my team. I clear those roadblocks. I make sure the system is around them, not them around the system, and that they have all their time to be their best self with, with the customers. And, you know, the other aspect of it is, is God, you know, communicate. You are in a privileged position as a leader. You don't get there because, you know, it's, it, it, it's not some form of privilege. You're in that privileged position because of the hard work of everybody around you. So old boss of mine said, you got two ears and one mouth for a reason, right? You know, listen to the people on the floor, listen to the people dealing with your customers, understand their issues of delivering a good service, make sure you're removing those roadblocks. And secondly, communicate to them about where the business is going, why, what are the challenges and their role in it. It's being a leader that removes obstacles and listens to your people and communicate what's happening with the business and what's going on. That's all people want. Sometimes that information isn't what they want to hear or, you know, things happen in the world as, as we know, and that changes businesses. But, you know, as my dear old mother would say, treat people as you like to be treated yourself and you can't go far wrong. And I always say that to all my people, treat people how you'd like to be treated yourself. You really can't go wrong in that, whether you're facing the customer, whether you're leading a team of people. So that's how you do it, mate. You, you, you lose this top-down mindset and you recognize that your people are your business and manage accordingly, right? And communicate accordingly. And, and you know, then you'll see that amazing extra effort that goes in when people are engaged. I love the, the diamond approach versus the triangle <laughs> approach because you become the chief servant officer instead of the chief customer officer. When people re- realize that the most expensive resource is their people, in, specifically for me inside the customer service uh, department, yeah. Yeah, man, their mind shift changes because they're like, how do I create an effortless experience for my employees? Yeah. Not just my my customers. How do I drive efficiencies and maybe create a single source of truth or be able to to manage their experience? Because inside the contact center, it's the retention is ridiculous. So mm. how are you creating that better experience for that? But then that doesn't just for doesn't just stick inside the contact center. It's it's everywhere. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's brand as well, right? You know, employee value proposition is, you know, and I, and I just said it, uh, employee experience, customer experience, employee value proposition and customer value proposition. Hey, your employees are customers too, right? So how you treat them and, you know, and in a contact center, right, sometimes it's students, right, or, or different things, but yeah. that brand experience, they take into their world. And, you know, you do the right thing by people. And people tell other people. That's why we all ask somebody if we're going to buy something. Hey, what do you think about that? And have you bought this? You know, that referral mechanism, that experience, right, lasts a lifetime, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's, it's really important in whatever in, environment. And as I said, this is not fluffy HR stuff. This is good business, right? Look at, you want some examples? Look at Tesla. Look at, look at Apple. Look at these things, right? People... You know, when people kind of wear those T-shirts or be part of those businesses, they are all in, right? And for me, I said to you, you look at leaders that communicate and that serve their people and serve their customers, you'll see the commonality across those crazy personalities of those businesses. 
<laughs> Do servant leaders attract other servant leaders? Yeah, I think so because you know you you set a culture, right? And and you know certainly from my experience and the leaders that I work for now and have worked for, they all told me that you know when I moved from managing managing operation and activity to leading leaders, it's an enormous jump. And the commonality and people verbalize it in different ways, but the the bit that I've took from really successful leaders, Mark, you know, it's about getting good people around you that know the answers you know it's not if you knew all the answers you know you, you well you, you don't but if you did you, you wouldn't hire. so hire good people and let them make those decisions for you listen and bring that together and above anything else yeah recognize that leadership is a privileged position based on these smart people working for you so you will attract those people because if you operate that way you know that's the dna of your leadership business right and and you've got to be very strict on doing that you know the classic stories of oh but you know he's great you know he's fantastic or she's fantastic but it, you know culturally it's uh, it's true you have to remove those people as quickly as possible they will find their culture but you have to you know maintain those ethics and that because there is no short term gain worth the damage that that can be done if you don't have that same ethos in your business yeah you mentioned being able to listen and understand that you don't know everything mm. it takes humility that it does. that is that is tough to do uh for some leaders so can humility be learned throughout that process and does it, does it take painful moments to go through that hey look i um i think yeah both i think you know some people they need a little bit of pain for it to actually trigger a behavioral change right we've all been there we all you know yeah i'm going to do this and this and then suddenly you know something slaps you in the face and you're like okay maybe i'm wrong <laughs> but others others learn by going well hang on i've experienced that myself now and actually i like that i i always try to think you know life is about experiences right so i always try and think well you know i pull from my best leaders and pull from my worst but you know obviously adopt what i got from the best and maybe don't do what i got from the worst right yeah hopefully then, you know, learn from those guys yeah exactly so look as i said i think as long as you can humility but look yes it can be learned and i think some people either get there in a painful way when they finally fall flat on their face others you know have the ability as i said you know using their ears watching and observing you're learning right if you're talking you're just repeating what you already know if you're listening watching you're learning and you know as humans we're pretty good at adapting when we see those things so a bit of both hopefully people get to the point they don't need a slap in the face but some do right and we <laughs> we know those stories yep absolutely so going full all the way back to individualization versus personalization how do you create that human connection you know it's it's a good question because well you're human i'm human we've got a connection so how do you create it recognize that we're all the same right and recognize we're just humans and so connect on that basis right as you do at a dinner party as you did it when you went to university and you know that first kind of week when you're meant to kind of meet all these people right you, you know when i went to university it was those you just got drunk for the first week and that's how you met people but i guess i'm not encouraging that as a way of uh, all staff to get into although you know friday beers in australia is a is a well run thing but honestly seriously be be human go go approach people not based on their job title or anything like that approach them like another human being right treat people as you'd like to be treated yourself take a little moment in time to understand that person and their job so empathy emotional intelligence all those things we have intrinsically as humans 
So just be yourself, right? But get to know a person. That's how you create a human connection. And you can do that as a leader en masse, you know, through informal calls and coffee corners, as well as you can do it individual size. So just, you know, be human is, is the honest answer to that. Yeah. Be human and understand that we're all uniquely different. So yeah. go through that process, understand and listen with the intent, like you said, to learn. Yeah. Because if, if you're just going to assume that you're going to know what that answer is, then you're not actually listening and acknowledging what they're saying, understanding what they're saying, and then responding. You're just regurgitating what you already know. Like you said, it goes back to the two yep. ears and a mouth. Absolutely. Absolutely. Seriously. I mean, and also, you're not, you're not inventing. You're not getting to the great traits that we have of innovation and changing things. You know, you want a culture of people. What you did yesterday doesn't mean that that's what you need to do today, right? And you want people to... You know, we're great problem solvers as human beings, right? We had to run away from dinosaurs and all sorts of stuff, right? So, you know, we, we, are, we, are, we have got it honed. And, you know, what we do by limiting our, our people through structures and top-down leadership is that you are effectively taking away those, you know, that problem-solving skills, you know, innovation, you know, curiosity that makes us who we are. And as you said, each person is different in all those categories, but God, I can't think of anything worse. If you take that away from your business, you've just got this static business that is going to get gazumped at any particular moment in time, right? So, yeah, it, it's just, it's kind of the law of nature we just kind of need to follow. That sounds a bit weird, right? We just actually just need to go back to our core strengths as human beings. So, I always bring it back to, to customer service because that's what I know, but relate it mm. to, to what you're doing. A lot of organizations are still stuck in in the legacy what you just mentioned kind of the the old yeah. ways of doing business the the yeah. the legacy policies and procedures because that's the way we've always done it so you're on the phone with somebody and you're like hey man can you just fix this it's not that big of a deal and they're like ah you know what sorry we can't because that's that's not part of policy that's not yeah. that's not how we do it as a consumer i don't feel known or valued in that moment and yeah. so i'm going to go immediately yeah. to that competitor and say if if i have that ability and, and start making calls and seeing what, what's that next solution look like. But why are organizations stuck in that, in that rut behind policy and process? And, and how do you get them out of that? The answer to that is really simple. And again, I've, I've looked into this a lot. So I'll simplify it in the essence of the reason that's the case is because we think, we thought, should I say, and personnel departments thought mm -hmm. that people, the people we employed were a risk to our business. So we hamstrung them in policies and, and processes and systems that when you have that logical call from a customer that says, hey, look, I know the policy is this, but I've been a customer with you for this. I just need you to flick this over to the new company entity. It's the same company. You know, just help me out. I've got a business to run here. Right, I'm sorry, sir. That makes perfectly good sense. And as a good customer, we should just do that for you. But the system, that's my computer says no moment. I'm sorry, but computer says no. And it just... It just makes, you know, even talking now, it just makes my stomach sink, right? Because I know that. And I just think what, what we need to do, right, is, is so that's how we, we, we've done it. And so what we need to do is first, as leaders need to recognize our people are our biggest asset. Number one, none of them go to work with their prime objective to bring the company down, right? Like number three is go to individualization. How do we make the systems robust enough that, you know, yes, we do need some safeguards because unintentional activity might cause a knock-on effect so we need some safeguards but let's empower our frontline people 
to improve our processes, to improve our customer experience by giving them the autonomy and ownership to make the right decisions for our customers and our business. And again, you know, you're hiring professional people who wish to do that. So give them that ownership because from that comes, to your point, that situation becomes, you know, it's not our, you know, our policy says no, but this makes perfect sense. So I'm going to go away and I'm going to try and fix this. And, you know, hopefully we'll fix this policy for others down the track, right? And secondly, give them the autonomy and ownership to do that listen to them and let them improve the processes and, and way things happens. A couple of things happen from that, right? Number one, obviously the customer is like, yeah, this is why I'm with these guys and tells his friends and other business owners, mm-hmm. right? The, the employee's like, yeah, this is why I'm in the job, right? I want to do these things because normally in that transaction, they don't necessarily remember the company. They'll remember Nick. I'll go, hey, Nick, you just helped me out big time. Thank you. Great. And that makes that, makes that person feel good. That makes the customer feel good. And again, you know, that, that is why I call customer momentum. And you get that momentum going, it is an unstoppable force. And when you get momentum, it's the trust factor versus the non-trust factor. And it's the scale back and forth. And it's a lot easier to pull from, from those non-trust factors to pull back up than it is to add to that trust factor. Nobody can see my hands moving, but they're going up and down, left and right. And so it's making sense to Mark and to nobody else. So I apologize for that. But, you know, when it, it's exactly right. I, I just had a, my, my father-in-law had an example. He called me on it. It's always funny when you're in customer service or customer experience, everybody calls you about the worst yeah. potential experience possible. And he's at a bank and he started a, a checking account for one of my brother-in-laws back when he was right a, a youngin and he is now in college and is trying to close out and get his name off of his checking <laughs> so he doesn't get to see what whatever else happens because he's in college now and he's responsible for it. And the bank's like, yeah. no, you actually have to cancel the checking account, take all the yeah. money out, and then start back up. And he's like, well, I just want to take my name off of it. Like, what's what's yeah. the issue? And they're like, ah, yeah. sorry, man, it's, it's policy. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to show you something about your policy. But exactly, yeah. exactly. You know, when it comes to all of this, though, how important is EQ? Oh, my God. Now, it's, it's enormously important, right? You said something earlier, and I don't, you know, I want to come back to it in the essence of EQ is so important because, you know, ultimately, people do business with people, right? Even, even me, I'm in this, you know, 110,000 people company, SAP, right? But I, I was... Was it last night? Yes, last night I was on the phone with one of our, our, our great customers, Cargill. You may or may not know of them, but, you know, when I'm on the phone with them, uh, Jamie, who's the kind of main, main guy there, and we know each other, you know, we, we know each other. We, and I know he's got his challenges in his organization and I've got mine, but we are working together for, to get them what they want. But we, we, we have that trust that you were, that you were showing and, and, we, we work for each other. He knows that I'm in this machine for him and I know he's in his machine for me. And, and that ultimately is why EQ is so important, right? Because it is, to me, it's the platform of, of your ability to have empathy for another person's situation. It's your platform for, I think, as I said before, not thinking you're better than somebody else because you're in a leadership role or something like that. You know, we're all leaders in a business. It's having that humility, as you talked about. I think EQ is the basis of that, because if you're unaware of how your behavior and your actions relate to different people, and, and I've learned as well, you know, like 
the way I communicate, I need to change it for certain people because, you know, they, they, they take on the information differently as, as easy as I might say it, I have to do it in different ways. So EQ to me is that that's, that's the kind of, you know, that's the, that's a special ingredient for all that kind of humanity that I just talked about, you know, having the time to listen, having that, you know, if you haven't got EQ and you can't see past your own behaviors, you've kind of gone, you've almost turned into a machine, right? You, you kind of become the computer, right? So it's like lawnmower man reinvented or something like that. So <laughs> I, I think, you know, EQ is, is essential, is essential. But to me, you know, I, I, I kind of explain it as just, you know, recognizing you're one human on this planet, right? And everybody else is another human on this planet. And having just the curiosity to get to know them, it's actually even that is quite interesting because, you know, like your first opening question, I'm sure you've heard all sorts from different people about a fact that they don't know. You know, when I always meet people, I like to get, well, you know, that's your work side, but what about you? What is it about you that gets you go, you know, children, sport, whatever, whatever, whatever. Get to know a person and that's EQ. So to your point, I mean, it's the platform of creating connections. It's the platform of us as humanity, making sure that we respect one another and, you know, live a decent life. So God, yeah, it's, it's kind of, yeah, man, we need it in everything, you know? And I would say that we probably need it more than ever with, with technology coming is yeah. technology is here with automation showing up and, and arriving in more ways than we can imagine. People are hiding behind the technology yeah. sometimes or saying, Hey, we're going to be automating X, Y, Z check. And they f- go full on automation without, without actually thinking about the customer. You got and it. And that, that really irks me because they're the ones that pay the bills. So maybe yeah. you should ask for their input before you go through that. And I think I'm okay with automating the mundane tasks and I'm okay with automating and creating hybrid approaches for mm-hmm. a better experience. But when somebody truly needs to talk to a person, let them talk to a person. Like you said, humans do business with humans, period. 100%. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, when it comes to a lot of organizations, maybe not a 110 uh, person organization like SAP, but they'll say, man, I really enjoyed that, uh, that conversation I had with Mark. What was the name of that company again? But the point yes. is that it doesn't matter. The point yeah. is that they trust you and that you got their back. That's my last 20 years of my career that I've learned is my network and my character in business. People will know and they'll say, you can ask Mark, but he'll tell you the truth. Like he's not, you know, he'll tell you what you need to do and what's good. And, and, and I do that with my customers. You know, I think the good thing with customers is, you know, you have to tell them no sometimes. You have to educate them. It's, it's, a, it's a two-way street. And that brings trust around advice because we're not always right. And we don't say, you know, yes all the time, right? But it's about establishing that trust. And, you know, to your point about the customers, one of the things I've worked really hard in our business to do, and, and, you know, we we do it is our customers are part of our business. You know, I bring them into phone calls about uh, product development, what we're going to do, big infrastructure changes. We bring them into the conversation, right? And two very good reasons. Number one, it educates and helps them understand, right? Number two, they get, they educate and help us understand as well, to your point. You know, we might, and we've got some great engineers, but sometimes they might come up with something that is great, but it's not relevant in our customer's world right now, right? So again, it helps us hone in on what's important to our customers. Also, what it does is it makes them part of your business, right? So when, you know, you need that input, and in, and in the day of 
business, certainly in our world of software as a service, but business as general, it's an ongoing relationship, right? And it only takes one bad thing for them to change direction. So I, I think, and again, it just makes logical thing. If we think of ourselves as all humans, customers and providers, have a conversation, listen to what's important, bring them into it. If, if things can't be done and you explain why not, people are good with that. It's just when they're not listened to, right? If people aren't listened to and not responded to, that still drives me up the wall. But again, your, your point on empathy, whenever I deal with a call center or something, and you know, I can be that customer that be cranky about things. I always make the point of going, look, I know you're not the company, you're just receiving this information, right? So I'm not gonna lose, lose it with you, but I just wanna be very clear that I'm not happy and these are the reasons why, and I hope you can do something with that information. And you know what? Nine times out of 10, I might not get what I want, but sometimes I certainly get discretionary effort and then trying. And also I get people coming back to me and saying, look, you know, we couldn't do this, but we've thought of another way that's less, you know, on your time. So again, you know, you talk about EQ, having a bit of empathy for the other person on the other side, understanding that, you know, in your own world, you have these restrictions. Again, people become human and they go that little extra effort for you. So it's, it's all good. Even if you're, you know, the customer on the receiving end of what you perceive is not, not what you want right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think we could do a a 24 hour live stream of just empathy, but we're not, we're not. So don't worry. It it will stop. (laughs) It will slow down. Uh, So I ask every guest uh, at the very end of the podcast, two questions, Mark. So the first one is what book or person has influenced you the most in the past year? See, then I'll, I'll ask one more question so you can think on it. So no pressure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the next uh, one is if you could leave a note, uh, regardless of the size, it could be one word or it could be a paragraph, no longer maybe, but yeah. if you could leave a note to all customer service and customer experience professionals, it's going to hit everybody's desk on Monday at 8 a.m. What does it yeah. say? Oh, man. Right. The book. Let me go with the book. The book. Now, I don't read a lot is the truth of it. Like, I, I, I don't, you know, I kind of subscribe to a few blogs. I catch up on people and on things like that. But there was a there was a book actually given to me from a boss, which was, and I, the, I'll, I'll find the, the author's name and I'll get it back to you, but it was called Grit and Resilience. And it was, you know, it was about how do we, I've got two young boys, how do we instill grit and resilience into, you know, into our lives? And And, you know, it's about kind of letting people try new things and not, putting boundaries in front of them, right? A bit like, I'm sure your parents were the same. My mother would say, you know, Mark, you can be anything you want to be, right? Whatever you want to be, you can be, right? But when I went through school, it was kind of like, well, Mark, you know, you need to pay attention. You need to stop messing around. And, you know, you know, and it kind of what I wanted to be when I was little, as opposed to going through our system was kind of restricted. And, and, and so I would say that's the book to read. And the underlying message is, you know, for you, your kids, whoever, whatever, you can generally be anything you want to be. Our systems at the moment, I think, limit us. But, you know, work on your kids and do that. So that that's the book. It's called Grit and Resilience. Julia someone. Anyway, not the best answer, but that's my answer it's, to that. It, so, it sounds like an awful last name, Julia someone. Yeah, I mean, well, it's popular. <laughs> um, no, it sounds like a great book. I just meant uh, I was trying to make a joke and it completely bummed. But the, the Julia okay, something no, is you. the last thing. So, but okay. it sounds like Grit and Resilience everybody needs it. And so yes. how are you using it though? Right. Using it the right yeah. way. Yeah. And I get it. You know, it's, it's about positivity for me, right? You know, it mm. is, it's, if you get knocked down, it's how you get back up, right? We're all going to get knocked down, but you know, believe you me, it's how you get back up. Yeah. Yeah. People fail 10 times for one success. So don't, you know, 
as my old sales career would say, every no is a not now, <laughs> not a no, right? <laughs> so my note to everybody, you know, from a customer perspective is I, it, this is a, a simple one to me and I'll uh, credit where it's due and I'm bad with names today, but the guy who headed up customer service, if you like, for Tesla, I saw a TED talk with this guy and it was great. And his, his thing, and I, and I absolutely took it because I thought it was fantastic, which was, you know, if you can do anything, make that customer at the end of your phone call, go home to their dinner table and say, hey, you know, Nick, he really got me out of a bind today. You know, how was my day? Well, it was good. It was bad. But I tell you what, Nick, just he got me out of something today that I knew that he went the extra yard for. And I'm, you know, that, that, that made my day. Took, took one less thing off my plate. And so I would put a note on everybody's desk and just say, just concentrate on it. Whichever customer you deal with, make that be a positive discussion over their dinner table tonight about what you did for them. And he did that in, in a context of the question of how do you scale that one-off great customer service when you're a starting up business or you're small enough to, to care when you suddenly, you know, exponentially explode, right? And you, but you still want to keep that white glove, that high touch. And he was, you know, and obviously you can imagine with Elon, he was kind of like chasing the dragon all the time. So <laughs> he said, you know, that's how I did it. That's how I did it. And to what we discussed before, empower them to do that you know, give them that individualization to do that and that ownership. So the note would be simply that, delight your customer and be the subject of their discussion at their dinner table. That's all I want you to do every day. And that would go a long way, I think. Sounds like uh, your, your first book is delight your customers <laughs> and have them talk to you at, your, at their d dinner table. Seriously, it's uh, when you think about it, you know, when we go home and we say, you know, how was your day? Mm -hmm. You do remember those moments and those until your way at the beginning of this, you said, you know, what, what is it all about? And I think with customers and how we deal with things, it's that connecting as humans and just trying to help each other out every day as we deal with this crazy world. If we could all do that, this world will be a better place and we go home and, you know, enjoy our, our time with our loved one. I love, love that quote, man. How can my le listeners connect with you, Mark? LinkedIn, email, you name it, Twitter. All these different things, anything at all, you know, I think you can you just Google somebody nowadays, right? And you can find their details. But, I, you know, I'm happy to share them with you after. I, I you know, I, do, I don't just say it. I, I've even said it when um, I get these jobs. I'm humble enough to say, look, I don't know everything, but I'm a really good listener and I'm really good at spotting, you know, transformation and change. And, and I love innovation. So I'd love to connect with people. I can always learn and I'm happy to share what I know. And I'll try and remember people's names when they do contact me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Mark. It's been a blast. Uh, I, I laughed and I'm going to talk to talk about you at my next dinner table. So I, I appreciate it and uh, looking forward to what you guys and the success you're bringing here in the coming year. Absolutely, mate. It's great to talk to you and uh, wish well to all your listeners as well. Hey, listeners, can you think of one person who would benefit from the information you learned today? If so, please consider sharing this episode with them. And last, if you would like to receive all the quotes and book recommendations from all my guests, you can go to pressonefornick.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of Press One for Nick. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share. Until next time, focus on your customers. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.